Hello there, welcome to MMA Fight Club. I'm your host, Manny Galarza. Today we're breaking down PFL number six, 2022 regular season. The main event's gonna be Kayla Harrison versus Caitlin Young. 10 bouts on the card. Give you a breakdown of each fight. Give you our betting position. What we think is a good spot, a bad spot. No prop bets because most books don't even offer prop bets for the PFL until like last minute. And even some of those last minute prop bets are just like very selective, put it that way. The few fights we have in this card will be like a lot. We'll talk about those. But overall, be cautious. Last week in the PFL was a bit of a, a minefield. We're going to give you a deep dive on the first few fights in the card and then give you more of like an overview of the last few fights. And so with that said, let's jump into it, guys. Here we go. Next up, we have Olena Kolesnik versus Vanessa Mello. Now, according to the current schedule, this should be the opening bout on the prelim card for PFL number six, but things can change, and so if it does change, I apologize in advance. Vanessa Mello is from Brazil. She goes by Miss Sampatia. She's 11-9 overall, 1-4 in, in her last five fights on a bit of a rough stretch. She's 34 years old, 5'5 five five in height with a 64-inch reach. She trains out of a gym called Vila Daluta. As for Elena Kolesnik, who hails from Odessa, Ukraine, she goes by the Canon. She's 6-4 overall. She's 1-4 in, in her last five fights. She did a recent camp out of Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand, but she's still based out of Ukraine where she trains out of Global Fight Gym. 32 years old, 5'9 in high with a 68 inch reach. Now according to the public votes on Tapology, it's just about down the middle. 54% coming in for Melo and 46% coming in for Kolesnik. I agree, this is a toss up. Neither fighter was very impressive recently, especially Melo in her last fight coming off of the loss. Kolesnik at least got a win, but man, that fight was definitely greasy. And according to their little FPR algorithm system at the PFL, she did lose the fight. But in any case, she got the win. There is no money line available yet for this fight. We're going to give you an estimated money line at the end of this breakdown of where we think the money line will open up at. But as of right now, I do agree with the public. This is a tough one. It's down the middle. Now, looking at the background of these two fighters, for Kolesnik, she fought Abby Montez in her last fight earlier this year. She came in as a plus 215 underdog, and she upset Montez. And overall, the fight was pretty close. I thought she did a good job in round one, landed maybe a few better strikes, and just was looking more athletic, the more spirited fighter. She wanted to fight more. I think she kind of caught Abby Montez a little off guard. And for Montez, who loses this fight by split decision, one of her biggest regrets might be not being more aggressive in round one, allowing Kolesnik to kind of get that round and steal that round. It's only a three-round fight, so one round can be a big deal in a close fight. Now, she does win the fight on the opinion of the judges, at least two of them. And she also got outstruck. Now, it wasn't a big margin. It was like maybe 10 total strikes. She got outstruck, maybe two or three significant strikes. It was a close fight. I thought in round three, Montez did enough as well. I thought in round two, she did. And that's what the FPR little system there also suggested. But somehow, she gets the win. Now, this is kind of a funny moment in the fight. Kolesnik, she's got very blonde hair, like very bleached blonde hair. And she had a blonde moment in the fight. Towards the end of round two, you hear the clapper, right? 10-second clapper. She puts her arms up and starts walking over to the corner, like walks away from her opponent and starts walking with her arms up like, yeah, you know, I'm winning this fight, you know, whatever. And the round's not over. And so Montez comes over and, like, throws a few punches and doesn't really hit her very hard, like hits her in the side and just doesn't really hit her flush. Kalisnik kind of, like, snaps back into it like, oh, shit, you know, the round's not over yet. Total blonde moment. But, look, she had a lot of spirit in that fight. I thought that maybe just her attitude alone may have helped her. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to explain it. It was very low level. If she had lost that fight, I believe she comes into this fight and she's maybe a slight dog or if not equal to my line. But just because she got that W, and here you have her opponent coming in, Mello, who's coming off of a loss, didn't look good, who's 1-4, in four, whatever, her last five fights, I think the money line opens up with Klesnik as a slight favorite, as around minus 125 to minus 150. Mello has more experience, but it's like a recency thing. You're only as good as your last fight in some cases, and in this case, both girls have not looked good recently, but one's coming off of a win, and one isn't. Though it needs to be underlined, she may have lost that last fight. <laughs> 
She fought Larissa Pacheco last year, 2021, got a round one KO loss. If you know Pacheco, very tough fighter, a lot harder of a striker. Would be hard to imagine a case where Alina Kalesnik could ever beat her in a fight. And that's what happened. Round one, she got knocked out. She came in a little bit overweight for that fight, so she did miss weight. That was two fights ago. It's kind of interesting. Her profile picture for Elena Kolesnik is nothing like what she actually kind of looks like. It's sort of like a catfish type of photo. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but like her profile picture on Tapology, she looks like dainty, I don't know, petite tennis player. And then when you see her in the octagon, that's not how she's built, put it that way. More like a softball player. All right. Anyway, she also fought Taylor Guadalto last year. She lost that fight by decision. She was a minus 110 pickup in that fight. Taylor Guadalto is low level, very inexperienced, only 3-2 overall. Decent prospect, but you know, still very low level, and she lost to her by decision. She also fought Pam Sorensen. She lost to her round one submission. So looking back at the fight history of Alina Kalisnik, you see names you recognize. So that's a good thing, right? The problem is like she tends to lose against all of those names you recognize. And then when she does win, it's against very low-level people or very unique circumstances. Now, some things to like about Alina Klesnik and the way she fights. She has some power in her hands. Now, she doesn't throw straight punches. Some of it's kind of quirky, but against Montez, you can see that she got Montez's respect early on. She kind of did a little bit of damage to Montez's nose. So when she lands and you can see that her frame, and she gets her hips into it, she could definitely do some damage and hurt her opponent on the feet. She does fight out of a southpaw stance, though it's more of a square stance. So her left hand's her strong hand, but again, she's more of a square stance fighter. You can't even tell. Usually she's sort of just like standing square in front of you, but her left hand is her strong hand. And last but not least, her last fight. I thought she showed a ton of spirit. You can see that she was emotional pre-fight, especially post-fight. The whole thing about the war in Ukraine and her family and her friends, how much it meant to her to come out here in a big stage, do a good job, represent her country. Can those emotions carry her to a victory? It worked for her last time. We'll see if it worked for her again. Now, my concerns for her in this fight, she did miss weight two fights ago. Looking at her last fight, she didn't look overweight. She just looked to me like she could be in better shape. I'm not sure if the weight issue will rear its ugly head again. So just something to consider. She's one and four in her last five fights. Now, mind you, she was on a four fight losing streak. She picks up the last win that she just had over Montez, a split decision win, a win where she kind of could have lost. She comes to this fight one and four in her last five fights and very well could have been 0 and five in her last five fights. And she also has some durability issues. She's been finished in three of her last five fights. We mentioned before that she's fought some pretty good opponents, but what about the quality of her wins? Of the six people that she's fought against, their combined record is four and 13 overall. So all of her wins are against very low level fighters or if not complete cans. It's hard for me again to put money behind her thinking that she's going to just turn over a new leaf now and she beat, you know, Montez in her last fight. She's going to go on a winning streak. I mean, she's probably better than Melo in some spots, but it's hard to put money behind a fighter with these kind of statistics. And last but not least, her boxing is raw. She's tough. She leaves her chin wide open. She's very open to counters. She will brawl with you. She'll swing wild. Some of it will land. She'll kind of close her eyes and just swing. Against a good striker, against a hard striker, she can get knocked out any time. Against someone who doesn't pressure the pace and is undersized and showing some age issues like Mello. She checks all those boxes. That could be a problem. I do think Kalisnik can get a win here. If she fights in the fashion she fought last fight, where she presses pace at times, she goes forward, kind of like a bully approach, just kind of gets wild. Against Melo, that might work. Melo looked very... She looked slow in her last fight. Didn't look very good. We'll talk more about it. But I think in this fight here for Kalesnik, she can neutralize things for Melo if she just goes forward, an aggressive pace, and gets in her face. As for Vanessa Melo, the Brazilian, she's based out of Sao Paulo, Brazil. She began her mixed martial arts fighting pro career in the regional scene in Brazil. She fought in Battle FC, XFC, Future FC, the UFC, and now currently in the PFL. She's the former SFT flyweight champion. She made her UFC debut in 2019 as a late replacement. She ended up going 1-4 in the UFC before they let her go. And she was let go in 2021. She's coming to this fight on a bit of a rough stretch. She's 1-4 in her last five fights. 
Her last opponent was Martina Jandrova, 2022 this year. She came in as a plus 125 underdog. We had her pick to win the fight. We thought that she had enough experience. We questioned Martina Jandrova's ability overall. And what ends up happening, Jandrova came in there and got a win. And it was deserving. It was a win that was not like a questionable win. It was a clear win on the scorecards. Melo did not look great. She looked slow, um, out of shape, kind of dumpy, shorter, not in the best of shape. Maybe I'm just being critical here, but just did not look her best. At 34 years old, maybe she's starting to show signs of, I don't know, wear and tear. She's not the same. Now, she never was an amazing fighter, one of four in the UFC, but still had a win in the UFC. For example, went the distance with Tracy Cortez, 2019, decision lost to her. So she's been in there with some better fighters than Chandrova. We thought maybe she would show up and you know show some of that experience. It didn't work out. She takes the L there. Her prior opponent, Sarah Marias, last year, that was her last fight in the UFC, and she won that fight. She was a slight underdog in that spot. Now keep in mind though, Sarah Marias is six and seven overall and two and five in the UFC. She fought Tracy Cortez in 2019 and lost by decision. She was a plus 195 underdog in that matchup. She made her UFC debut against Irene Aldana in 2019, lost by decision. She was a big underdog in that matchup. She lost to Carol Rosa by decision, 2020. She missed weight in that fight, and she was a plus-250 underdog. And then she had a decision win against Mariana Marias, 2019, and Marias fought last year in the PFL. And last but not least, she fought a name you're going to recognize. She fought Molly McCann, 2015, beat her by decision in XFC. Now, of course, Molly McCann is currently 5-3 in the UFC and a budding star. Interesting how these two fighters have gone on two different paths, right? Molly McCann has kind of like budding star in the UFC, and then you have... Vanessa Mello over here, like, dwindling out in the PFL. But anyway, she could always look back and tell her grandkids, I beat Molly Meatball McCann, you know, by decision in XFC days. Now, what's her strength? What does she do well? Number one, she's definitely faced the better strength of schedule. Has a UFC win, has a win before the UFC against Molly McCann. So when it comes to strength of schedule, she has the edge in that area. She's very durable. Solid cardio. Has never been finished before in a fight. Granted, it's a women's fight, but still, just putting it out there, she's a very durable fighter. She has decent cardio. We'll go the full distance if it's required. She likes to move forward and set the pace when things are going well. Like in her last fight, she couldn't really do that. She couldn't get anything going, to be quite honest with you. But when things are going well for her, she cuts the cage off. She sets the pace. The problem in this fight is Olena Kaliznik is very awkward. She doesn't do anything the same. She doesn't repeat any actions. Everything's kind of like just from the hip. Will be the much bigger, taller fighter in this matchup. So for Melo to win the fight, she'll have to be very aggressive, number one. Pushing the pace going forward. I just worry again, could she do that against Olena Kaliznik, who's just a very awkward fighter? Now my concerns for Melo, her last fight. Now it's recency bias, I get it. But she looked every bit of 34 years old. She just didn't look in great shape. Didn't look very motivated. Looked like she was happy to be there, yes, but not very motivated. Could not get things going in the octagon. Just didn't look like the best version of herself. Now she was never like a UFC level champion, but she looked better than what she looked like in her last fight. And granted, it's recency bias, but sometimes you're only as good as your last fight. And she just did not look good in that spot. She comes up short against better competition. Now, is this better competition? <laughs> I don't know that it's better competition, but she went one and three in the UFC for a reason. When she fights better opponents, she tends to come up short. In her last fight, she fought an opponent that she was evenly matched against, but got outclassed. And that's my worry again in this matchup, that she gets outclassed. Not that she doesn't have the tools or the experience, but that she just doesn't have the fire in her to win a close round. We mentioned before as well, she has missed weight in recent fights. Could she come in here and miss weight or have a bad weight cut? Could that be a factor in the fight? I don't know. 34 years old, metabolism slowing down, all the different factors of a fighter who's now having a hard time in the career making weight. She also has poor takedown defense, though that won't be a factor in this fight. Now against Carol Rosa, it was a factor. Against Olena Kolesnik, it's going to be a stand-up fight the entire time. The fights we watched have been on this film. We watched Melo vs. Rosa in 2020, Melo vs. Aldana in 2019, Kolesnik vs. Montes earlier this year, Kolesnik vs. Pacheco from 2021, and Kolesnik vs. Spencer from 2018. If you want to watch any one of those five fights as part of our free video library, just look down here below on YouTube and you'll find those five links available to those five fights.
Okay, my final few thoughts on these two fighters. I'm going to choose Olena Kalizic to win the fight. It definitely goes to decision. If you could find a prop on your book that offers a good, decent price on the fight going to decision, I would parlay that piece with a lot of confidence. This fight's going to be very close. They don't have finishing power. They're both very low level. They both need a win. It should be scrappy. I think Olena Kalizic is just a little more scrappy than Vanessa Mello. When it comes to her experience, I give the edge to Mello as we talked about. As for fighter IQ, about the same. When it comes to cardio, I give an edge to Alina Kaliznik. The reason being is because in the last fight, Vanessa Mello just did not look like she was in the best shape. Now, granted, it's just one fight, but in the last fight, she looked just older and slower. So I wonder now at 34, is age becoming a factor? So when it comes to cardio, I think Alina Kaliznik will be the busier fighter in round three. As for finishing ability, there is none. Neither fighter has very good finishing power on the ground or on the feet. Neither fighter is an amazing striker. I think Alizic has the power advantage. I think Melo maybe has the better combinations, but neither fighter throws a lot of technical strikes. A lot of it's just very looping. It's it's awkward. So when it comes to striking, don't expect to see like an elite level boxing display. Expect to see more of a flailing women's fight type of thing. As for grappling, it shouldn't be a factor in this fight. And last but not least, who has more heart? Looking back at the most recent fights, I'm telling you, Lena Kliznik has like this wild animal side of her. She's like yelling after the last fight, screaming, emotional. If she brings that to the table, brings that little extra edge, that could be enough here to win two of these three rounds, maybe win the impression of the scorecards for the judges. It worked last time. For Vanessa Mello, she's had better days. She didn't show a lot of heart in her last fight. She showed a lack of heart, actually. And I'm just wondering now at her age, is it mental fatigue? Is it wear and tear in the tires? Ultimately, I'm going to give the edge in heart or passion the desire to win Kaliznik in this matchup. The props I would consider for this fight, the fight starting round three, if your book offers that, that'll be sitting somewhere around like minus 250 to minus 300. The fight going to decision will probably sit around minus 250 to minus 300 as well. But those are props that I would consider as parlay pieces with a lot of confidence. I have a lot more confidence in the fight going to decision than who's going to win the fight. In accordance with the new philosophy I'm going to start trying here in the next few cards coming up, I'm going to take the dog on the money line to win. What I mean by that is if I'm going to bet the money line, I'm going to bet the dog. So if it opens up and Kalisic's the dog, I'll bet her. If Melo's the dog, I'll bet her. And whoever the dog is, I'm going to pick them to win. At the time of this video, I'm choosing Alina Kaliznik. I think she should win the fight. But if she's the favorite of my line, then I'm going to choose Melo to win the fight. Because recently what we've seen in so many of these women's fights, the dogs are winning, number one. And number two, the fights are going to decision. So the main bet should be fight goes to distance. And if you want to bet on the money line, take the dog. Simple as that. Just blind bet the dogs. So as of right now, if it makes any sense, I'm probably confusing you. I'm choosing Alina Kaliznik to win this fight. That's my conclusion based upon my analysis and my breakdown. But if she's the favorite, <laughs> I'm going to bet on Melo. So when the line comes out, cross-check this video with the line, and that's who I'm taking to win the fight. The fight goes to decision is the number one prop I would take in this fight. Obviously, the fight going over one and a half rounds would be another prop to look at as well if your book offers that. That's the breakdown, guys. The women's fights recently have been a little upside down for us. I'm not hating on women's MMA. I'm just saying I would stay away from it. Maybe just watch it. Good luck with this one. All right, moving on up the card here. Next fight's going to be another women's bout between Martina Jendrova versus Zamzagul Faisalanova. Faisalanova goes by Bopay. She's 7-2 overall, 5-0 in her last five fights. Excuse me, she's 4-1 in her last five fights. She hails from Astana, Kazakhstan. 30 years old, 5'7 in height with a 67-inch reach. She trains out of Astana Patriot. As for Martina Jendrova, she's 5-2 and two overall, 3-2 and two in her last five fights. She hails out of the Czech Republic, 31 years old, 5'8 in height with a 68-inch reach. A slight height and reach advantage there for Martina, and about the same age. Now, looking at the tapology, the public votes here have Jendrova as the favorite, getting 73% of the votes, only 27% coming in for Faisal Lenova. I do agree. I am picking Jendrova to win the fight before I even see the money line. 
which we don't have that quite yet. I think she has the slight edge in a few areas. Now, looking at the background of Martina Jandrova, she went pro 2011, so she's been a pro fighter for about 11 years. She fought in several promotions around the world, but all very small promotions like in Africa and Czech Republic. She won her last fight two months ago in the PFL. Her last fight was against Vanessa Mello. She was a slight favorite at minus 150, and she simply won the fight because she was busier. She threw more punches. She pressed the pace, and Vanessa Mello didn't look that good. We talked about her a little bit in the prior fight. But that wasn't the kind of fight where you watched it and was like, oh, I love Martina. It was like, okay, well, she did just enough. But I do believe that Vanessa Melo is probably still a better fighter than what Faze Villanova is probably going to bring to the table. She fought Jacqueline Cavalcanti earlier this year as well. This will be her third fight this year. Very active. She was a minus 110 pickup in that fight. She won by split decision. Cavalcanti is 2-1 overall. And one more fight to talk about. She fought Marias Vidal last year. Lost the fight by decision. She got bullied from the rip in that fight. Vidal was just the more overpowering fighter, more busy, was able to muscle her over, bring her to the ground. Anytime he got into a clinch situation, Vidal was much stronger. You saw like the bad side of Jandrova, when she's fighting a fighter who's a little stronger, a little quicker, a little more athletic, has more experience. In the case of Vidal, she is 6-1 overall, pretty good fighter, now currently fighting the LFA. Not a terrible loss, it was by decision, but it gives you a measure of where we see Martina Jandrova right now. That was just last year. Now, the things to like about Jandrova, number one, she's very durable. Never been TKO'd. Now, granted, it's been a short career, but still, never been TKO'd. She's only been submitted one time. She's coming into this fight off of a two-fight winning streak. You like to see that. Going for her third win in a row. Some of her prior wins, in my opinion, are a notch above where Faze Lenova's at right now. Now, my concerns for her. Number one, not a very good finisher, not a good submission artist, not much power in the hands. Her path to victory is volume. Position control against the fence, hoping the judges appreciate the way she fights, but not much power in the hands, only one TKO finish and one submission finish. She's faced maybe the better competition than her opponent in this matchup, but still she's not faced very good competition. For example, the combined record of the opponents that she's actually beaten is 15 and 17 overall, and two of those fighters have no victories at all in their career. Bottom line, she hasn't fought very tough opponents. Vanessa Mello, her last fight, was probably the toughest opponent to date. Now as for Faiza Lenova, the Kazakhstani fighter, she fights out of an orthodox boxing stance. She fought Alash Pride FC and Fight Night Global part of the PFL. This will be her second PFL fight. Fought two months ago. That was her PFL debut. Lost the fight round one to Larissa Pacheco. You kind of can't blame her. They put her in there with one of the toughest fighters in the division. Pacheco has tons of knockout power. And what ended up happening? She got knocked out in round one. We didn't see much from her. What I did see was not very impressed with. For example, she got hit with a few hard strikes on the feet. And she went to an immediate panic, cover up, ball up, went to the ground. She didn't try to fight back. She kind of turned her back. She looked like she'd never been punched that hard before. I'm worried about her. I'm not sure she belongs at this level yet. What you saw in that fight was deer in the headlights, not much power, lacks the quickness. Now, granted, again, it was against Larissa Pacheco, so that's a big factor. Larissa Pacheco could make a lot of amateur-level fighters, first-time fighters look very bad, and she's going to have a chance this year to possibly test Harrison for that $1 million prize. So I do like Larissa Pacheco, but the bottom line is it did not look very good. That was a bad debut, and that was just two months ago. Now, some prior fights for her. She fought Liana Jojoa in 2016, and won the fight by a split decision. And that was in a Lash Pride FC. Granted, Liana Jojoa is not the best fighter in the world, but she did make her way through the UFC. She also got cut recently, but the point is, she was a former UFC fighter. She went 1-3 in the UFC. Her one win was over Diana Belbita in 2020. And the way that Zamzagul got the win here was she was able to get a neck toss. You know those girls get those neck tosses, they throw you to the ground, they hold position forever. That's what she did against Liana Jojoa and got two of the three rounds. So that's probably the best win of her career. And one more fight to talk about, Alina Gorchinskaya, 2018 round one TKO win. Same thing as the prior fight. She gets like one of those neck tosses, grabs the head, tosses the girl to the ground. She likes that move. Will that work here against Jandrova? Maybe. Jandrova likes to grapple a little bit. So that could be something that Faze Lenova might try to do in this fight, is that neck toss. 
She's done it before in prior fights. Now, of course, in her last fight against Pacheco, that was not going to work. Not against Pacheco. She's too skilled for that. Now, what's to like about Faze Lenova? Number one, she's pretty good in dirty boxing scenarios against the fence, good elbows, good knees and tight. At range, she's a little more raw. But in dirty boxing scenarios, she's pretty good. I do think she'll have some opportunities there. Ginger Nova is not an amazing striker and will look to grapple as well. We'll see who has the better dirty boxing in this matchup. She's okay at grappling. And what I mean by that is she was unable to do any grappling against Pacheco. Against higher level opponents, she can't force to grapple. If she gets hurt, she's not going to grapple. She's going to ball up. But that's where she hangs her hat on. She has to do some grappling in this matchup to get it on her side. At range, it seems almost impossible to envision her winning the fight. Now, my concerns for Faisal Lenova. Number one, she looked very out of sorts in her last fight. Not comfortable. Granted, again, against a very good fighter. But still, like, there was no glimpses of anything you could hold on to and say, oh, well, she did this well. Maybe she lasted a round or two. I mean, anything. There's fights where it goes only a round and a half. And you actually say to yourself, that fighter put up a good fight. Like, they did a good job. This was not like that. This was like she got tagged once or twice, started to run away, balled up, and fell down. The number one thing I took from that was she doesn't have that dog where it's like some fighters, you could hurt them. They'll try to recover, defend themselves, but ultimately it's like fight or flight. It just wasn't a good look in that first fight. I don't want to overstate it. It was just one fight. Maybe this is too big for her of a stage at this point. In the limited film that we have of her, her head movement is not great. It's like she just sort of keeps it up there and reaches out and tries to block and defend. No dipping, no side to side movement. Again, at range, that's not really where she wants to be at. It needs to be more of a dirty boxing scenario. On the flip side, Jandrova is not an amazing striker. So probably at times, Faisal Lenova can get away with some things in the feet that she couldn't get away with, for example, against Larissa Pacheco. And just like her opponent in this matchup, she's also faced very limited competition. Now, prior to fighting Pacheco, forget about Pacheco for a second, the combined record of all of her prior opponents is 11-13 and 13 overall. And of her seven wins, three of them, almost half of them, were against opponents with less than zero wins and less than three total fights. So her seven wins are against very low-level opponents. I think that's what we saw in the first fight against Pacheco. It wasn't just that Pacheco's so good. It's that Faze Elanova, not to be mean, doesn't really belong at this high level of a promotion. I believe she probably loses this fight. She kind of moves on from here, doesn't come back next year, stays in the Far East. And unfortunately, I just don't see her coming back. She doesn't offer much of anything. Very slow. Yeah, obviously, you can tell by the tone of my voice. I don't have a lot of faith and Faze Lenova in this matchup. In this case, I'm not sure Jadrova's better than Faze Lenova. I'm not sure of that really low confidence level in Faze Lenova after watching her first fight in the PFL. Anyway, the film that we watched to break down this fight, we watched Faze Lenova versus Gorchinskaya, 2018, Faze Lenova versus Jojua, 2016, Faze Lenova versus Pacheco from last from the, earlier this year, excuse me, Jadrova versus Bars, 2015, and Jadrova versus Vidal from 2021. To watch any one of those five fights as part of our free video library, just look down below here on YouTube. In our description, you're gonna see those five links available. All right, so let me wrap this up here. My final few thoughts on these two fighters. I think Jadrova is just a notch above Faze Lenova and should win the fight. Now, I wanna make sure I'm clear on this. I'm choosing Martina to win the fight. I think she wins by decision. I think she's a better overall fighter, more experienced, has fought better competition. I have no faith in Zamzagul. But if the money line comes out, and Jadrova is like the clear favorite, like minus 180, minus 200 in that range. Go with Zamzagul. I know I'm saying I believe Jandrova should win the fight. But look, recently what we've been seeing is we've seen women's fights where you have a like two to one favorite, minus 200 favorite, and they're coming up short. Just go with the plus money. So when the main line comes out, I believe it's going to be minus like 185-ish for Jadrova. That's where I believe it's going to open up at, maybe close around that range as well. You have Zamzagul at plus 150 on the other side. 
if it's in that range, I'm going to take Zamzagul on the middle line to win the fight. I'm not going to bet it. I'm just saying that's where I would bet the money now. What bets will I will take for this fight? The fight going the distance, for sure. Definitely looking at that prop, the over one and a half. And the fight starting round three. The same exact props that I looked at for the opening bout in this car with Melo versus Kaliznik. I have no confidence in either fighter here. I have just a little bit less confidence in Zamzagul. And so from that reason, I'm choosing Jindrova. With that said, guys, it's probably just a better fight to just look at and stay away from, observe it, take some notes. I don't imagine Zamzagul is back after this season. Very low level. Didn't see much from her in the first fight. Okay, guys, that's the breakdown. We're choosing Martina Jindrova to win the fight. Should be very close. Should be very sketchy. Women's MMA. Greasy decision, probably a splitter. And uh, in that case, you don't want to be holding any tickets either way. Probably better off holding a prop ticket with the fight going the distance. Good luck with this fight. Next fight, the card is going to be another women's bout in the lightweight division at 155 pounds between Abby Montes, who goes by Brave, and Marina Moknakina from Russia. Marina is 6-3 overall, 2-3 in her last five fights. She hails specifically out of St. Petersburg, Russia, 34 years old, 5-6 in height with a 66-inch reach, and she trains out of a gym called Sambo Petir. As for Abby Montes, who goes by Brave, she's 3-1 overall. She hails out of Guadalajara, Mexico. And she trains out of Lobo Gym with teammates like Alexa Grasso, Irene Aldana, and Alejandra Lara. Montez is just 22 years old. She's 5'6 in height with a 67-inch reach. So height and reach-wise, about the same, but a 12-year youth advantage for Montez over the 34-year-old Marina Moknakina. Now, as for the numbers coming in on Tapology, it appears that Montez is the big underdog, with 82% of the votes going to Moknakina. I do agree. I like Marina in this spot. I was not impressed with Montez's last fight. And losing to Alina Kaliznik, oh my gosh, it was just overall not a good performance. I feel like at times she looked overwhelmed by Alina. It wasn't a good look overall. On the flip side, Marina Moknakina is coming off of that decision loss to Kayla Harrison where she went the full distance, showed good durability, good ring IQ, lasted the entire time. I mean, no one really lasts with Kayla Harrison because she's so tough of a fighter. If she fights that way against Montez, you imagine she probably gets a win here, but it's never that easy, and of course it's women's MMA. Now looking at the background of these two fighters, for Abby Montez, she's from Mexico. We mentioned before she's training out of Lobo Gym. Now her big break in the PFL was she fought Clarissa Shields last year. She was a plus 195 underdog, and she went in there and won by split decision. Now granted, it wasn't even split. They should have made it unanimous decision, but because the PFL loves Clarissa Shields, you see her all over these advertisements they have during their shows, and quite frankly, she's not a good mixed martial artist. She's a good boxer, but mixed martial artist, not so much. And in that fight, Abby Montez beats her. The same Abby Montez who just lost to Alina Kaliznik. So just keep that in mind. Clarissa Shields, who's the poster child for PFL's women's division, not the poster child, I would say actually that's more like Kayla Harrison, but she's up there, does the commercials with the bows, headphones, and stuff like that during their telecast. She literally got beat by a girl who just lost to Alina Kaliznik. That was her claim to fame. She won that fight by split decision, did a good job, used her ground control, but in her last fight, when she fought Alina Kaliznik, she couldn't get her to the ground. On the feet, she looked okay at times, did not push the tempo. It reminds me a lot of the Jin Fry fight the other day. So Jin Fry lost the fight against Vanessa Demopoulos, and it was close. Could have gone either way. But the one thing that Jin Fry did not do that didn't help her, when she had opportunities to keep combinations going and back up Demopoulos against the fence, she would like reset and back up to the center of the cage. Be like, okay, let's reset. Give you some space. Are you ready? Are you ready to go? And Montez was doing that with Kaliznik. Instead of like keeping the combinations going and pushing the pressure, she allowed the fight to just stay close. And so very poor eye fighter IQ. If she does that in this fight against Marina, she will again risk losing the fight on the scorecards because she's just not doing enough. Now, the things that I do like about Abby Montez when she's fighting the right way, her grappling and wrestling is pretty good. She didn't show 
showed against Alina, in this fight, if she tries that though against Marina, it might be a problem because Marina is very good at jiu-jitsu. Now, Abby Montez also has a good lower leg kick when she uses it. Again, in the Kalisnik fight, she wasn't using that as well, but it is part of her arsenal. And her striking is pretty good. I mean, in the context of the fight against Clarissa Shields, she beats her, right? Who's a world-class boxer. Now, most of that fight was on the ground, but the point is she was able to survive that fight. On the feet against Alina Kalisnik? No, she didn't look very good. It just doesn't make sense. Like, on the feet against Shields, she was serviceable, okay. On the feet against Kalisnik, she got pieced up. It just doesn't fucking add up. A very inconsistent fighter. At 22 years old, she's still kind of finding her way, and it kind of makes sense. Being young, inconsistent, and so sometimes she may have a good fight, may have a bad fight. And we mentioned before she's had a very good gym with high-level training partners. Now, my concerns for Abby Montez. First of all, that last fight, that entire fight, big concern. I'm not trying to rank Adelina Kalesnik, but she's not that good. And basically, Abby Montez went out there and just laid a big old goose egg and just didn't show that heart, that desire to win. When the fight was close, she just lacked that dog in her to actually go out there and get the fight and win it. She also lacks experience. At 22 years old, only a few fights under her belt. Yes, the Clarissa Shields fight was amazing. Good win. Got her name out there. But we've seen from that point on to now, hasn't made big improvements. I'm not even sure about her cardio. And the biggest concern is her heart. Do you want to win the fight? And in terms of being tested, she hasn't been hurt in the octagon. Her last fight against Alina Kalesnik, she got popped a few times, like a little bit of a runny nose, bloody nose, whatever, but nothing major. What happens when she gets cornered against a really good fight? and someone pushes her against the cage, someone beats her up and she gets hurt. We don't know yet. And at 22 years old, she's probably never been in a situation like that. So there's a lot of unknowns here with the young Abby Montez. Now, as for the Russian, Marina Muknakina, she was born and raised in Russia. She's currently based out of St. Petersburg, Russia, which, by the way, can also be called Leningrad, Russia. Just a little factoid for you. A former six-time Sambo World Champion, eight-time Russian Sambo National Champion. So right there, boom, okay. High-level mixed martial arts. Sambo may be one of the best sports to take part in before transitioning over to mixed martial arts, along with the likes of like wrestling, kickboxing, Sambo is up there. One of the best sports to do if you're looking to eventually make a transition to mixed martial arts. So she has that base, world champion. She's one and one in Bellator. She also fought in Fight Nights Global. She began her mixed martial arts pro career with four straight wins by submission. Now she hasn't had a submission in a while, but submissions are definitely part of her game plan. If Abigail Montez, Abby Montez, wants to take the fight to the ground, that would be something she has to be very cautious of because Marina is very good at submissions and also very good at submission defense. Remember, she just went to a full distance against Kayla Harrison and survived the full distance of three rounds, which in itself is very impressive. Okay, so she fought Kayla Harrison last fight. She was a plus 1,500 underdog. Yes, big time underdog. And Kayla Harrison tried submissions, but every time she tried them, Marina defended them very well. I would imagine if you compare Kayla Harrison and her aggressiveness and how she fights to Abby Montez, I imagine Marina's going to face a lot less aggression in this fight. Abby doesn't come forward like Kayla Harrison, doesn't wrestle like Kayla Harrison. Overall, for Marina, she's going to have more space, more time. It should be an easier fight for her. Prior to Kayla Harrison, she fought Claudia Zamora. She beat her 2021 by decision in the PFL. Claudia's 3-3 overall. And Marina was a minus 340 favorite in that spot. So not much of a test. She lost to Janae Harding in 2019 by decision in Bellator. Harding is 6-6 six six overall. And she was a favorite in that fight to win. So not a great look on her topology. A fight that she probably should have won. She was a 2-1 favorite. And Harding is a 500 level fighter. She also fought Liana Jojoa in 2018. Lost to her as well in Fight Nights Global 83. Now Jojoa was in the UFC but recently got cut. And she was 1-3 in, in the UFC. So she has some losses there that are not exciting. The Kayla Harrison decision loss. 
probably the best fight she's fought overall in her career. So there's a lot of MMA math we're doing here for Marina. We're choosing her to win the fight, but it's based on MMA math and not based on her necessarily dominating opponents. It's more like she's been doing well against other people and maybe fought some better fighters than her opponent. We're not sure Marina's better than Abby Montez. We just think she's better than Abby Montez in this matchup. Now, what's to like about Marina's game? Number one, very durable. We talked about it. She's never been finished before, and she just went three rounds with Kayla Harrison. She has excellent submission defense, and that goes without saying. Three rounds with Kayla Harrison. She has excellent Sambo skills, obviously a Sambo world champion. That translates very well into mixed martial arts. Her submission game hasn't been a factor her last few fights, but remember, her first four pro fights, she won by submission. If the fight gets to the ground, I imagine she'll at least look for submission opportunities. And lastly, over the last few fights, she's made significant improvement in her striking, in her ring IQ, and just her overall presence. Experience is probably the biggest detriment to her game. She needs more octagon time. Now, thankfully for her, she's in the PFL, tons of fights throughout the year, but she just needs more time in the octagon to improve. And at 30, it's kind of like now or never, right? Now, my concern is for Marina. As we just mentioned before, it is now or never for her. At 34 years old, she can't afford many losses, and she needs to make some significant improvements right now. Her striking is decent, but it needs to improve. And she can be a bit one-dimensional. Striking is not awful. It's not great. But if she can't get her submission game going, or at least get some close submission opportunities and some control time, it's hard for her to find a path to victory. So from that standpoint, if she fights a fighter who's very good at submission defense and ground defense, she finds herself in a bit of a gray area. It's hard for her to win that way in the scorecards. Now, the fights we watched right now in this film, we watched Montez vs. Shield from 2021. Montez vs. Kaliznik earlier this year, Makina vs. Torbiva from 2016, Morkina vs. Jojua from 2018, and of course, Mokina vs. Kayla Harrison from earlier this year. If you were to watch any one of those five fights as part of our free video library here at MMA Fight Club, just look down below here on YouTube. In the description, you're going to see those five links available. Okay, just to wrap things up here, my final few thoughts on this fight. Experience-wise and fighter IQ-wise, I give a significant advantage to Marina Makakina. As for cardio, I thought Abby Montez started to get a little tired in her last fight. Not a big issue. She's much younger, too. She should have a good gas tank. So from a cardio perspective, these guys are about the same grade. As for finishing ability, Marina has a big advantage there. Now, Abby Montez has one finish on her career, like three total fights. She had a TKO ground and pound finish, but Marina has a significant advantage there because of her submission ability. So if a finish happens in this fight, I believe that's going to be the side of Marina with a submission finish. Neither fighter is an amazing striker. You know, they throw okay combinations, nothing but a lot of power, not very effective. For Abby Montez, she's going to need to improve in that area of the game because her ground game is okay. Her striking is okay too. If she wants to find the feet, she has to make improvements there. And the same thing for Marina. If she wants to be better on the feet, we've got some more improvements and more volume, better combinations. In terms of grappling, there's a big edge there for Marina, as we talked about already. She's got good jiu-jitsu skills. And last but not least, who has more heart? I thought Abby Montez did not show a lot of heart against Alina Kaliznik. I thought Kaliznik was the one who showed more heart in that fight. She was passionate, obviously representing Ukraine, and she went out there and she took the fight. Now, of course, we mentioned before the FPR, whatever, the algorithm there for the PFL actually had Montez winning the fight, and it was close, and she landed more strikes. But still, listen, close is not enough, man. It's not a game of horseshoes, right? You need to actually secure the win. And in that fight, at some point, Kaliznik did what it took to win the fight, and Montez did not. Now, as for Makrakina, she just went three full rounds with Harrison. I mean, that in itself is a big accomplishment. So when it comes to heart, who will go the extra mile and do what it takes to get the win? I'm going to give that edge here to Marina. Now, with that said, I have not been on a hot streak recently with picking women's fights. Montez will probably open as a significant dog in this fight. I'm talking like minus 275 for Marina, around plus 220 for Montez. That's my estimated money line when it opens up. If that's the case, then I will choose Montez to win. 
And if I bet in the fight in my line, I will bet on Montez. So even though my analysis tells me that Marina should win the fight, at minus 275-ish in my line, it'll be a parlay piece for some people and it will not be worth it. Especially what we've seen recently. These two to one favorite women fights are not going our way. Now the fight probably goes to decision. I like that prop. I also like Abby Montez by decision and I like Marina by submission. When those props come out, those will be the three props that I'd be looking at. In any case, guys, that's your breakdown. We opened this card with three straight women's fights, and I would be very cautious here on betting these fights. Don't put too much behind it. We could be assured at least one or two of these first few fights are not going to go the way we think. Something outside the norm is going to happen. Someone who can't wrestle will start wrestling. Someone who used to be able to strike can't strike. Maybe there's a point taken, whatever the case may be. But I am choosing Marina Maknakina, the Russian, to win this fight either by decision or by submission. And that's our breakdown, boys. Moving on to Nikolai Alexikin, the Russian, versus Carlos Leo, the Brazilian. So Nikolai Oleskin, his last fight was a very like underwhelming performance. That's a way of putting it. Him and Sadabu Sai fought, and I picked Nikolai to win the fight. He lost by, by split decision, so it was a close fight. But nobody had the like the balls to do something. Both guys were like, eh, whatever, judges scorecards. You know, you can win fights on judges scorecards. That, that can happen. But if you are a passive fighter, that, that's a bad thing. Like a jumbo shrimp, right? You can't, you can't be both. You can't be passive and be a fighter and we all know passive fighters people who are like oh, i'll go score cards you know submission position control but nothing to knock out power nothing to finish a fight and so what i saw in the last fight from nikolai Oleskin, alexkin is that he has no finishing dog in him it's for him it's like if it goes to full distance okay i did more i don't trust him i don't trust him at all that's my point as for carl leo carlos leo excuse me 17 and 3 Impressive record, but not impressive performance in his first PFL fight. Nikolai should win the fight, but I would stay away from this, guys. Unless you have a crystal ball and you know what's going to happen, I would stay away from it. Now, Nikolai is favored at minus 255, excuse me. That's danger. Like, just don't do it. Don't parlay it. If anything, just bet one thing on this fight. Bet a prop, pick a fighter, and bet that and leave it alone. No, no, no parlaying in this fight. Now, moving up the card, we've got Larissa Pacheco versus Janae. Fabian, this is probably the easiest fight in the card to call. I think Larissa Pacheco beats her like 99 times out of 100. I think Janae Fabian is a pretty good overall athlete, <laughs> like athlete, meaning like played other sports and very athletic and ran track and stuff. Uh, I want to make sure I clarify this too. People have her fighting out of the gym in New Zealand, which is the um, uh, kickboxing, city kickboxing, right? With uh, Israel Asanya. She's not there. I believe she's at elevation fight team and i believe that because i saw pictures of her on instagram with other women who are fighting out of there either way both good gyms and she still doesn't do it for me very pretty girl tall great skin complexion her tapology photo looks legit you know but uh larissa pacheco is almost a man and i mean that in a good way like almost a full-on man like she probably could definitely beat up a few a few men probably kick my ass yeah, Pacheco is very underrated. People forget that she was the one who held the belt before uh, another man came along, <laughs> um, Kayla Harrison. And Larissa Pacheco will definitely challenge uh, Kayla Harrison this year for that belt. They will both be in the finals, unless they meet in the semifinals or something like that. So, so moving on, Larissa Pacheco is my solid pick on this card. I have her as maybe my favorite pick on the entire card. At minus 380, I'm going to parlay her probably too much for my liking. I'm going to bet her straight up. She will win the fight. And Jenna Fabian, thank you for showing up. We appreciate your. All 
Up next, we have a welterweight bout. This should be the last fight in the prelim card between Magomed Magomed Karimov versus Jajoa Zeferino. I'm not stuttering there. It's Magomed Magomed Karimov. It'd be like if your name was Dan Johnson, and then they translated it to like a Russian name, and it was Dan Dan Johnson. Like Magomed Magomed Karimov. <laughs> anyway, Magomed Karimov is 29-6 overall. Four won his last five fights. He hails from Mashkala, Russia. So he's from Dagestan. 32 years old. 32 years old, 6 foot 1 in height with a 73 inch reach. As for Joe Severino, the Brazilian samurai, he's 26 and 9 overall. 5 and 0 in his last 5 fights. He hails from Middletown, New York. 5 foot 9 in height with a 69 inch reach. He's out of Renzo Gracie Academy. 91% of the votes on Tapology are coming in from Magomed Karimov, only 9% for Zeferino. I do like Magomed Karimov to win the fight, but I think there's a chance here for Zeferino to make it close. I think Magomed Karimov, I think we saw some chinks in the armor in his last fight against Ray Cooper III when he lost the fight via TKO. He got tired in that fight, got a little lazy with his stand up defense, ends up getting knocked out with some very basic punches. He probably wins this fight, but there's a but there. I wouldn't have as much confidence in this as some of the other fights in this card. Some basic details of these two fighters. Magomed Karimov is a 14-year pro. He's a wrestler by trait. He has amazing submission skills. His striking defense is his weakness. We'll talk more about it as we break down this film. As for Zeferino, he's a boxer by trait, 17-year pro, has very high volume, but not much of a finisher. As for the fighter profile on Magomed Magomed Karimov, he's born in Dagestan, Russia. He graduated college with a degree in athletics. He earned the title of Master of Sport in Russia. He's won a variety of tournaments and belts in different forms of mixed martial arts, Thai boxing, hand-to-hand -hand combat, kudo, and he's a three-time pancreation champion. He won the PFL Grand Prix in 2018. He went 2-0 as an amateur. He went pro 2008. He's a family man, married with two children. Magomed's most notable opponent. He fought Ray Cooper III last year, 2021, round three TKO loss in the semifinals of PFL. He was winning that fight in that round. He had Ray Cooper hurt. Got a little sloppy, exposed his chin, got a little tired as well. He got hit with some basic shots and just went down, and that was it. I think he'll look at that film and be very regretful of how he fought that round. He had Ray Cooper hurt. The most notable opponents from Magomed Karimov, Ray Cooper III last year, round three TKO loss to the PFL playoffs. He came into that fight as a minus 215 favorite. Round one was very close. He got out wrestled in round two a little bit, which is a little surprising. He's a very good wrestler, but Ray Cooper's a good wrestler himself. In round three, he had Cooper tired. He had him hurt. He started laying some heavy strikes on him. Unfortunately, he gets a little bit sloppy, exposes his chin. Ray Cooper gets him hurt, knocks him down, and that's all she wrote. I'm sure he watches that film and thinks to himself, I probably should have been a little more tactful in round three when I had Cooper hurt. The first time that Ray Cooper and him fought, 2018, he won by round two submission. He looked a lot better in that first fight. The second fight was a little bit different. Ray Cooper looked more prepared. He was pushing the pace at times. If anything, my biggest concern with Magomed Karimov was his conditioning at the end of that fight. He looked very tired, was not moving his head, and that's why he got hit with a few punches and got knocked down. Some other opponents in his background, he fought Sadabu C, 2021 decision win. He was a minus 1,000 favorite in that fight. He also beat Chris Curtis twice, who's currently 2-0 in the UFC. He beat John Howard, round one submission win, who's a former UFC fighter. He fought and defeated Bojan Belakovic twice, who's a former UFC fighter. And last but not least, Curtis Melender, 2021 round one Ezekiel Choke win, who's another former UFC fighter. A very solid finish rate. He's, finished, he's got a solid finish rate. He's finished four of his last seven wins. He's got a pretty good finish rate. He's finished four of his last seven wins. My concerns for Magomed Karimov, the last fight against Cooper. He looked a bit tiredly in that fight and loses the fight more so because of his fighter IQ and poor conditioning. His boxing offense is a bit rough. It's that typical Dagestani boxing offense where they're just striking to set up a takedown. As example in that fight against Cooper, his head's wide open. He's not being disciplined about his guard, not displaying good head movement. Against any good fighter who could force the fight into the feet, he can have some problems. Again, his boxing's not great. He gets tired. His hands are down low. A lot of his weaknesses in his game were exposed in that last fight against Cooper. It wasn't like it was just that round. The prior rounds before that, he was also not doing so well. Cooper was 
backing him up and exposing his boxing defense. As for Zeferino, he was born and raised in northern Brazil, fourth degree black belt in BJJ. He went pro in 2005, a long time ago, 17-year pro career. He fought in World Series of Fighting, PFL, and had two stints in the UFC. He's currently 5-1 and one in the PFL. Some of his most notable opponents, he fought Gleason Tibau, 2021 decision win. He came to that fight as a slight favorite. Tibau is a very well-known veteran, a former UFC fighter himself. That was a quality win. He also fought Bojan Velikovic, 2019 decision win. Velikovic had a short stint in the UFC. He came to that fight as a slight favorite. He lost to John Fitch, 2016, another former UFC fighter. He came to that fight as a slight dog. And then one more fight, Brian Foster, 2015 TKO loss. Foster is also a former UFC fighter. Looking at the topology on Zeferino, he's fought some pretty good guys, people with some UFC experience. Some things I like about Zeferino, he's on a nice winning streak. He hasn't lost a fight in five years. Excellent submission skills. He's had two submission wins in his last four fights. He's very durable. Only been finished one time in 35 MMA fights. And he has decent finishing ability. He's had four finishes in his last six wins. Now my concern for Zeferino, he comes up short against elite level competition. Not the average guys. The average guys, he does a pretty good job. But when he's facing UFC level guys, he tends to come up a little bit short. He also tends to load up on his right hand. He's an orthodox stance fighter. His right hand's his power hand. At times, he'll overload it, miss, be off balance. Next thing you know, he's open for counters, being taken down. Against Magomed Karimov, I can see a takedown happening because he overloads on the punch, gets off balance, maybe gives up his back. Next thing you know, he's on the ground in the wheelhouse of Magomed Karimov. The fights we watched to bring down this film, we watched Zeferino versus Tibau, 2021. Zeferino versus Velikovic, 2019. Magomed Karimov versus Cooper, the second fight. And Magomed Karimov versus Cooper, the first fight. And lastly, Magomed Karimov versus C, 2021. To watch those fights, if you look down below here on YouTube, in our description, you're going to see those five links available as part of our free video library. My final thoughts on these two fighters. Excellent experience against top-level fighters, people in the UFC. They're both coming out of very good gyms. ATT for Magomed and Renzo Gracie for Zeferino. Magomed has a slight edge in the finishing department because of his BJJ skills. Zeferino has a striking edge. He's a better boxer, a little cleaner, better combinations. Magomed boxes or throws strikes just to set up takedowns. The typical Dagestani fighter. Magomed will have the grappling edge. Zeferino has good BJJ skills, but not at the level of Magomed Karimov. I don't believe either fighter has an edge in the heart department or passion. You got a Dagestani wrestler against a Brazilian fighter. They're both coming to bang. No one's going to give up very easily. Could the fight end because of a tap or a submission? That's possible. Both of them have very good submission skills. But I imagine the fight actually goes a distance, all three rounds. We don't have the lines available for the props yet or the money line. The two props I like the most are like Magomed Karimov by submission and the fight going the distance. The prop I like the most with this fight is the fight going to decision. There's an outside chance of a submission by either fighter, but ultimately I think it goes three tough rounds and the fight goes a distance. When that prop comes out, you might want to give it some consideration. The money line is not yet available, but our estimated money line for this fight would be minus 350 for Magomed Karimov and plus 275 for Zeferino. By the time the fight closes, you're going to be looking at Magomed Karimov around minus 500 and Zeferino around plus 400. If Zeferino outstrikes him on the feet, Goes to the scorecards, gets a win, not going to be surprised. At minus 300 range, minus 350, I'm not going to bet Magomed Karimov straight up. I'll have him into a few parlays. Feel like Magomed Karimov has a lot to prove. He got exposed against Ray Cooper. And Zeferino is a very tough fighter. At 36, he's still very much in his prime. Treats at Renzo Gracie. Good submission skills. Good submission defense. In summary, this fight's going to be pretty close. So be very careful with this one. Don't over parlay it. I would steer clear from betting on Magomed straight up if the money line's around minus 300 or higher. Not a lot of value there, and this fight's probably going to be very close. That's the breakdown, guys. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't done so already, please like and subscribe. And we're on to the next video. Moving up the car here to the co co main event Ray Cooper the third versus Brett Cooper the first. Doesn't really exist, but you get the point. So Brett Cooper the first here is 28 and 16 overall versus Ray Cooper the third, who's 24 and 8 and 1 overall. And looked terrible in his last fight. And that's the big talk of the town here. So Ray Cooper, the third, former PFL champion from whatever last year, um, 
Great overall fighter. Good wrestler. If you know his background, very good wrestling. Like former state champion, I believe, in wrestling. Like I think him, his brother, his mother, his father, his wife, all of them. All of them. State champions everywhere. Great grandfathers. Everyone won state championships. So amazing wrestling. But last fight looked very underwhelming. You you can't help but to look at the last fight and say to yourself, is he is he um is he washed? Is it get to a point where he's just like I don't know. I don't know. I, I like Ray Cooper. He should beat his brother, Brett Cooper here. Not his brother. Just joking. He should be Brett Cooper here. But it's like a but because Ray Cooper did not look good last fight. Now look at the money line here. Where's the money line at? It's uh, Ray Cooper. M oh, my God. Minus 580. Yeah, just <laughs> look. Guys, I like Fire Night MF MMA action, PFL action. But you cannot be putting money <laughs> at minus 580. Almost minus 600 and a guy who just looked shitty his last fight. And, yeah, not a good look. He probably beat, beats Brett Cooper, but I would not bet on Brett Cooper the third here. He probably wins. That's my choice to win the fight. Moving up the card now. So, co-main event. Rory McDonald versus Sadabu Sai, or C. Toughest fight in the card to call. Rory McDonald on his best day should win the fight. 23-8-1, Canadian fighter. Good skills. On the ground on the feet, very balanced. So, I like that about him. I just don't like he's so inconsistent. So, like, when he faces a pretty good fighter sometimes, he tends to be underwhelming. And Sadabu C seems to be the guy who's, like, he will show up sometimes unexpected. So, last fight wins by split decision against the Russian, right? Nikolai Alexek, Alex, oh, I can't say that name, but Nikolai. They fight. Neither guy wants to win the fight. So, both guys, like, kind of win the fight, but goes by split decision. And you got Simon the fight, or C, however you want to pronounce it. Both guys lost, in my opinion. Like, both guys were terrible. Both guys were not very good. So how do you bet on a guy like that? I'm not going to bet on Nikolai, and I won't bet on C. Rory McDonald should win the fight. The issue becomes, can Sadabu C land some leg kicks? Can he annoy him enough on the outside? He's very athletic, very tall. He's 6'3". He'll be taller than Rory McDonald, that's for sure. You're like, he's from, what, Switzerland? But he's obviously of Afrikaner's descent. And Rory McDonald tends to be underwhelming. The Canadian like has moments where he does well, but then he like, you know, pulls back, doesn't do well. Rory should win the fight. Moneyline hasn't won the fight, so we have Rory McDonald at what minus two eighty five. You know, that's the problem here. If you parlay him and he loses, you're gonna be like, I knew it. I knew he would underwhelm me. So I would say this: if you're gonna bet the fight straight up, just take C. Rory should win the fight. That's my whole theme of the card here. The people who should win, should win, but they're probably not going to because it's PFL and shit happens. So Rory should win the fight. He should win. If the fight gets to the ground, he should definitely win. Like more control time, better submission skills, better just grappling skills. Again, Sadabu C is very tall, long. At length, at distance, leg kicks and stuff, that could be his advantage. But man, you know, last fight didn't look great. He won but by some decision. He could have lost, right? So I'm taking Rory McDonald in the fight at minus two eighty five. I'm going to probably parlay him. I'm going to probably do it. I know it sucks. I'm. What am I thinking to myself? What, what the fuck am I thinking? I'm probably going to parlay him, and I shouldn't. Maybe lightly, right? Not too much. Not too aggressive. But uh, Rory's going to win the fight. As as for Sadabu Sai, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins at plus two forty. If you like him, good value there. And the last fight in the card, Kayla, the Queen Harrison, versus the victim. All right. No need to give the name, just the victim, right? So for Kayla Harrison, I want to give a little different of a theme in this breakdown. At some point, she will lose. And I mean that in a positive way, not like a, a poo-hoo-hoo, trying to, you know, she's a good fighter, great fighter. But at some point, she'll lose. It's just not going to be this weekend. <laughs> you got a 12, 12-1 and 1 
whoever her fucking name is, is going to lose against Kayla, like triple X chromosome Y, half man, Akonis in the octagon. Now, she might be straight or I don't know where her sexuality is, but in the octagon, she is so fucking jacked, like arms bigger than most men. Is it unfair for me to call her like man-like in a positive way? Like she's like literally man-like. She could beat up men. She's built like a man. If you cut her head off, <laughs> like you know, it's a fucking man there. And so like women, women like her and Larissa Pacheco or uh, Pacheco, like just monsters in division. She will beat Caitlyn Young. This was supposed to be Kayla Harrison versus um, I forgot her name. It got changed last minute. So here we another victim. She's going to win. The question becomes with Kayla Harrison, will she keep fighting the PFL the next few years and just winning a million dollars every year and never challenge herself and never fight a UFC opponent or a Bellator opponent? And I would say on one side, why not? Why not have like a, I don't know, like three, four-year career? This is like year two for her, right, PFL? Year two? She just signed a three-year contract. Why not have a three or four or five-year career and just say, Aladdin, I'm good. Got my money. I'm out. <laughs> million dollars a year. I mean, a million dollars a year for four or five years is plenty. That's way more you need for the rest of your life. Your your kids, your kids' kids. If you invest that money the right way, you're set. She's set. She has two kids already. I don't know if it's a man in the picture or a woman in the picture, so it's just her by herself. Just win the win this year again. Win next year. Call it a wrap. Say thank you guys. I'm the best it ever was. I'm never gonna get beat up and move on. Because to go over to Bellator or to, or to UFC or have this mega event happen, she will get exposed. She is clearly a benefactor of the fact that she's one of the first ever in a new promotion who's awarding $1 million a year to the winner. Lance Palmer's another one. We can go on and on. There are some people in the PFL who literally just benefited from the fact that there was nobody else to fight. So they just kept winning by default. And Kayla Harrison, let's be honest, is winning this division by default. Now, Larissa Pacheco will give her a tough fight this year at some point. I love Pacheco in terms of fighter, tough. Another another fucking man in, in, women, in women's MMA. Long story short, Kayla will win the fight. At minus 2,800, what's the point? You know, what do you really gain out of this? Uh, she, she wins the fight maybe by submission in round one or two. That's what, make the last, that's what makes the last fight, by the way. The last fight she fought against uh, Maknakina, who went the full distance. She tried submissions, but the Russian was able to defend against those submissions. And that is like a tip to you. Like, that's an average Russian female fighter. Not an amazing Brazilian uh, top-level Amanda Nunes. Like, an average Russian female fighter who doesn't fight very much with the full distance with Kayla Harrison. Larissa Pacheco, who was average in the UFC, had Kayla Harrison in a rear naked choke at one point. You know, so Kayla Harrison, 13-0, amazing, very impressive. But uh, it's in her best interest to keep her ass right here in the PFL, keep winning that money every year, and then retire and call it a day. Because when she gets into like the UFC category, Bellator, it's going to be different. Her striking is not there, and you know she's had some challenges already over here. So that's a breakdown of that fight, guys. Let's uh, let's move on. All right, boys and girls, just a summary of our card. Who we like to win the fight? We'll start the top. We'll start at the top. Excuse me. We'll start at Kayla Harrison winning the fight at minus two eight zero zero. Not a great line. I would stay away from it. But she probably beats Caitlin Young every which way, shape, or form. We like Roy McDonald at minus two eighty five. Ray Cooper the third at minus five eighty. Magomed Magomed Karimov at minus four seventy five. Magomed Umalatov 
at minus 25. We didn't talk about that fight, but the point is I like him to win that fight. I think Jara Al-Salawai uh, was lucky to win his last fight. Uh, split decision win for him. Very lucky against an old fighter. I think Magomed Umalatulov will do enough here. Grappling, position control, very Russian-like. Larissa Pacheco, minus 380. I love her here in this spot. My favorite spot in the entire card. He should beat Jenna Fabian every which way she should perform. Granted, it's women's MMA, and it's been a rough stretch for me recently, but I like Larissa Pacheco in this spot. Spot, excuse me. Moving on down to Nikolai Alexikin versus Glayson Tibau. I want to choose Nikolai. He probably should win, but the dog are past the screaming here. I like Glayson Tibau as a dog here at plus 215. I'm going to take him with the fight. Moving on down to Marina Bucknakina versus Abby Montez. I'm on Marina to win the fight. She's my second most confident pick in the card, and it's another women's fight, so I'm probably jinxing, my, jinxing myself here. But I like Marina to win the fight here at minus 190. Abby Montez just was so underwhelming last fight. Had showed very little passion, heart. Lost against a very average fighter. Just overall very concerning for me. Moving on down to the second fight in the, car, the card. Martina Jindrova versus Zamzagul. Faisal Nova. I'm taking Martina Jindrova to win the fight. She should win. But should and, you know, it's just tough. I'm not going to bet the fight straight up. I'm not going to parlay it either. Martina should win the fight. But Zamzagul, who looked terrible in her first fight, Probably comes in here and all of a sudden makes it a fight. It's women's low, low, low level women's MMA, which always becomes a bit of a you know a quandary. It's just tough. And the first fight in the card, Olena Kaliznik versus Vanessa Mello. Olena Kaliznik won her last fight by split decision, almost lost. Vanessa looked terrible her last fight. They both looked terrible her last fight, honestly. So I guess Olena wins the fight. Maybe I don't know, man. Minus two ten, Olena, woman who was zero four before her last fight and then almost lost her last fight because just. She was, uh, she won by a split decision, right? So, yeah, uh, not betting Lena Kaliznik if my a gun was to my head. Not doing it. If you're going to bet the fight on my line, just take Vanessa Mello. Just just don't do it to yourself. Don't take minus money on love women's fights right now. I mean, look at last week. I'm going to get my soapbox right now. Okay. Jin Yu Fry. Jin Yu Fry against Vanessa Demopoulos. Demopolis maybe wins the fight. Well, she did win according to the numbers. According to the stats, it's already in the, in the record books. She won. But Lord have mercy. I mean, why was Jin Yu Fry not pushing the pace in the tempo when when, not, when she would land a few punches and then just like back up and like, oh, let's reset. Come back out here, Vanessa. Let's reset the middle octagon. Like, you have her backing up. Be her to the fuck up. Punch her. Like I'm, and I and I thought Junior Fry win the fight, and I had somebody on her, so it kind of stung, you know. You know how that is. But why aren't you moving forward? Why aren't you continuing the combinations? Why aren't you backing the person up? Are you tired? You look tired. You scared? You're backing them up. Do you want to lose the fucking fight? These fighters who don't like do the most simple things to win a fight, like the most basic, like not not even cardio, just like keep punching. You're landing punches. What the fuck are you doing, dude? Yeah, I'm tired of watching women's MMA where a fighter has the other fighter beat entirely. And just like, no, I don't want it. Like if a fighter's laying down on the ground and you back away from them because you don't want to engage in the ground because you're scared of jiu-jitsu, you're, you're done. Aladdin, you're done. They're down. Get on top of them. Knock them out. Ground and pound. Don't be such a pansy. Not just women's MMA. That's it. Men's MMA too. Like you have the person down, finish the fight. Anyway, guys. That's PFL number six. Again, the favorites on the card for me are Larissa Pacheco at minus 380 and Marina Magnatikina at minus 190. Everything else, kind of fair game, guys. Be very careful here. Last week was a bit of an eye-opener for PFL. 
We've got some snakes in the grass, so be very careful there. All right, guys. We're out of here.